Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to The Hotbed, I'm Anneke Somerville and I'm Lisa Williams and we're making the world better one orgasm at a time. With your help, with the listeners help, thank you. Yes, I haven't had an orgasm for quite a long time. Why is that? Well, it's, it seems ironic that, you know, obviously this is our, our main sort of passion in life and our manifesto, but because I'm up the duffers, mm. I've been very reticent. I've been worried that it would, especially now, because I think it's 37 weeks, or oh, the implications of orgasming. Um, and so I've Googled it quite a bit, but it's strange. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a weird hi- hi- hiatus. So I'm quite looking forward to doing it after mm. it's all occurred. Um, maybe not in the maternity ward itself, but orgasmic may- birth. No, I can't understand that at all. But I mean, I, I respect the women who've had it. I think it's probably more likely to happen if you have that at home. Mm, but mm. the hospital environment, I know there are specific fetishes around hospitals mm. and hospital equipment, but it just doesn't <laughs> do it for me. <laughs> I think you should take a vibrator. And if the pain is really bad, use it on your mm. bits because it is supposed to, like, the clitoris is supposed to help. Is it? With labour pains, yeah. Yeah, just just for an experiment, go on. We've got well, enough vibrators. I know, but then you sort of, you feel so exposed anyway, and I just think I, I'm, the first time, giving birth and masturbating in public mm. at the same time. Yeah, and you know how we talk about how, like, <laughs> can our neighbours hear our vibrators and will they think that we brush our teeth a lot? In the hospital, there's only, like, that little flimsy curtain isn't there so they'll definitely hear you yeah and I had last time I had quite a few people coming in and out because I was in there for quite a long time so Mm. yeah I'm just I I'm sure that um I will eventually but Mm. I don't think you'll be in the hospital so listeners we're writing a book at the moment which is really exciting it's with penguin square peg and it's about orgasms and anarchy has written it whilst being pregnant and too scared to orgasm even though FYI, it's completely safe to have an orgasm while you are pregnant, mm. unless there are complications, in which case speak to a medical practitioner. Um, but if we were to write, you know, um, how many orgasms were had in the writing of this book? Mine would be a big fat zero. You've literally had none. Have you not even had one in your sleep? I might have had one in my sleep, but I'm not sure. You see, I'm not 100%. Um, oh, it's not that, I mean, it's, it's a funny time because it's not that you don't, fantasize or have those a lot of female hormones are sort of pumping Mm. around your system but I just haven't yeah I have been more cautious um and it is funny because I think when we did our events we had all kinds of sex toys and I found them quite menacing but there's also something around I don't know I've I've changed my relationship with my vagina or my vulva at the Mm. moment and it's become something more functional Mm. and probably Mm. less sexual but in a few months time you're doing a doodah 
Yeah, hopefully. Speaking of sex toys, I didn't tell you. Um, I have tried a wand sex toy since we last spoke because I kept on reading about the wand, the wand, the wand. The wand is the ultimate sex toy. And I just thought, oh, I'm going to try one for the so sake of So this is the one bed. that's got a, to- a big bit on the top and then it's long and thin. Yeah, it looks like cross between um, some kind of babyliss big hair roller mm. and Darth Vader. I mean, it really looks like Darth Vader. It's got a sort of metallic sheen to it and you have to plug it in such as its might you know it's a proper hardcore one you plug it in no batteries here the joy of it is is that the tip of the wand is girthy and flat and it vibrates like a maniac and yet the bit that you hold is um stays still so you don't feel like you're kind of power drilling yourself into the floor Mm. and what kind of noise levels are we talking about loud (laughs) basically because I've got a very loud kettle is it kind of like a kettle going on or is it like a train or a it's like a road being dug up right but it depends what no that's unfair but I'd say it's not the best one to take to hospital and but it's really good and thank you to Love Honey for sending it to me because I just t- contacted them out the blue and, I, and you enjoyed and it them. yeah it was really actually and fun does it think it'd be something to do with a partner or just because that to me we had this theory before about the bigger it is, the kind of more intimidating it is for your other half because you're kind of bringing effectively a, another robot into your relationship. Yeah, this, he actually, my other half found the plastic mould bit that it came in and he picked it up and he was like, what was, what was in this? And, and I said, oh, a magic Yeah, I said, a sex toy that looks like Darth Vader. Um, and he was sort of quite intrigued, but not intrigued enough to kind of hunt it down. I've had to hide everything. Um, from my children try it you might like it I did but it's not one that it doesn't have an extendable arm because I'm sort of (laughs) thinking in a way it would be really useful if you were kind of your partner is particularly lazy Mm. and you're on the sofa Mm. and it just has a long extendable (laughs) arm you're upstairs and he just kind of points it at you whilst being on the ipad at the same time yeah watching news night yeah so that but that's i'm going to copyright that idea that's, really that's the lazy idea. person's um sex toy yeah it doesn't have an extendable arm but it can give you very quick weekly if you were out and you were single and you saw attractive people that had the extendable arm it's getting a bit into me too territory it is a bit rude isn't it so what's this episode about anarchy somerville well, this one is all about bisexuality, Woo! which um, is an interesting one because we recently did a survey and I don't think we'd really had it brought to our attention, but we realised that quite a lot of our listeners are bisexual. Yep, hello. Um, which is really interesting. And I think we, so we talk about that. Um, and I guess, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because I think both of us may have had little flirtations, mm. but I, I mean, I couldn't class myself as bisexual in any shape or form. No, um, I would definitely tick a box thing straight. But I, very luckily at university, I went to Birmingham and the newspaper there, which I edited, I think for one week, um, did a lot on, did a lot with the what was then called the LGBT society. And now mm. it's obviously LGBTQIA plus to cover everything. Um, but back then they did a really cool thing in our newspaper, which is they, they printed the Kinsey scale. Mm. And they said, this scale, and this is true, this scale that was invented in the 40s by Kinsey, um, he of, you know, he is the grandmaster of sex study. Grandmaster Flash. Grandmaster Flash. I said a hip. (laughs) Anyway, he did a scale where he basically said, yes, you can 
be 100% straight and you can be 100% gay, but you can also be somewhere in the middle and actually most people are not on either end. And also he said it would change throughout your life and it would change from it could change from day to day and from incident to incident. Mm-hmm. So it was a really useful way of looking at sexuality and I think I'm massively privileged to have been educated to that point to get to a university where I could read that newspaper mm. and find out something as kind of mind-blowing as that um, because it does make me look at my sexuality in a way where I think, yes, my behaviour is heterosexual most of the time, but in another life, had I met mm. someone, um, then I may not have been. And we speak to... I interviewed Remy Said, who we've had on the podcast before. She blogs under books baby and back and she's friend of the podcast she also does her own podcast called all right for a mum and what is very cool about her and why I wanted to talk to her is she was in a, a, a heterosexual relationship and it ended badly and she was feeling really sad and upset about it and she just decided to download a few dating apps one of which was a how to meet uh, well for women to meet women and she dated a woman she had a great time she talks about it and uh, and then that relationship ended and now she's dating men again and she's just not like oh I'm going to define myself by this or that or the other she's just mm. completely open minded and free and when we did our female pleasure survey and I'm, it was a bit of a box ticking exercise although at the end of every question I let people kind of write what they mm. wanted and it's a bit tricky because things like gender and sexuality are quite difficult sometimes to categorise mm. it's interesting I feel like um, I'm one of those people that I think a lot of bisexuals and lesbians would be annoyed by because there are obviously there's straight women who have certain sort of fantasies maybe about having sex with women mm. um, and I think they sort of flirt with it but never really take it seriously. Mm. So I had a couple of experiences when I was living in Amsterdam where... I met a very good-looking lesbian couple and we ended up having a New Year's Eve party there. Mm. And I remember, because I was very young, I was only 18. I was not that young, but I was still trying to find my way a little bit and under the influence of all sorts of things. Um, And whenever I look back on my life, that's the evening that I kind of regret a bit because I feel like things could have gone a certain way Mm. and they didn't go a certain way. Um, And it was mainly because I was just too frightened and hung up um, in that scenario and they were they they were really cool people um, and very attract and I was attracted to one of them in particular one mm. girl um, but I just I didn't do it and the other thing that I absolutely hated when I was at uni which was a big thing and I think it may still be a big thing is girls snogging other girls oh. in front of men oh, in that. order to titillate men and oh. it happened all the time in our like local uni bar and it used to fuck me off me so too. badly because none of these... I, I mean, I'm pretty sure none of these girls had any bisexual tendencies. Um, and it was purely for male titillation and it, it just pissed me off. But also, I I follow... Do you follow Florence Given on Instagram? No. She's a 19-year-old. Or maybe she's 17. She's very young. She's on the teen side of 20. I know that. She's a an artist and she does quite cool slogan T-shirts. And her latest piece of art says... Uh, maybe it's not a girl crush, maybe you're queer. Mm. And she did a whole piece underneath it where she said, actually, calling stuff girl crushes in some to some extent is 
hiding the fact mm. that we can be attracted to different people at different times mm. and our world is not kind of ready for that so we have to create terms like girl crush but oh it's okay we are gonna like stay heterosexual with all the privilege that this gives to us mm. it's interesting isn't it yeah so let's hear from remy Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, Remy. Hello, how are you? I'm really, really good. I'm really happy to have you back on the Hotbed podcast. Thanks for having me, girl. So Remy was in our series two episode about pregnancy sex and about yes. pregnancy experience and not feeling guilty. And no. you were like, I don't feel guilty for being a MILF. <laughs> now, Remy's story is interesting um, in how it interlinks with the Hotbed. So she came to our very first live show and talked a little bit there about some problems that she was having in her in her then relationship um, yeah. about how you have high expectations and how needs weren't being met and you yeah. were perhaps I think you thought your partner was watching too much porn and then expecting certain things in the bedroom mm. then by the time you're on our show you and him had split up mm-hmm. um, and now you're on the show because I wanted to talk to you about the fact <laughs> that you since your what I did breakup, after that what Remy <laughs> What Remy did next. <laughs> what Remy did next. That'd be a good book. Um, well, it's quite funny because that recording was about a year ago. It was exactly a year ago. Yeah. November. So, so that's just before that is when I actually became single. So I have been single-ish for a year. But during this year, I spent a bit of time with a lady friend um, and I dated a girl for a bit and it was a phenomenal experience to be honest with you I'm quite surprised at how good it was I thought it would be like any other situation but just different body parts but it wasn't it was a whole new vibe Um, and I'm quite private when it comes to like who I date and who I'm seeing and I don't talk about um, certain elements of someone I'm dating or any relationship that I'm in, but she and I have since separated mm-hmm. and um, I have only good things to say and I have spoken to her about it and we're friends as well. Um, so, yeah, it's cool. So you've talked about it a little bit on your own podcast, yes. All Right for a Mum, which yes. Anarchy and I talked about a bit in the intro. Um, and you said in that podcast episode where you sort of announced it... At that point, you were just done with men because you'd had a 
you just had enough and yeah you just is that yeah. what made you because you met her on um, i love how you said announce i don't believe in coming out i also said that so <laughs> i totally hear where you're coming from but my thing was i guess it's gonna come up because everybody in my life knew that we were seeing each other yeah. um and then when we were done, I was like, my co-host, Carrie, said to me, like, do you think you're going to talk about it? And I said, I don't know, we'll see, maybe, yeah. And then we did, we had a chat about it. Um, but I was done with men because I was heartbroken. And uh, I'm quite an extreme person anyway. But I was just like, you know, you can literally have it all with somebody and it can still not work out. And that's mm. probably what you learn from growing up. But I was in that relationship for four and a half years, from 19 to 23. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I was thinking about my love life future, in my head, there were two options. And it was be celibate forever, which I was open to, or try something new. And so I was like, I think I want to try dating girls. And most of my friends are on the sexuality spectrum and I never was mm. um, and I was one of the few that like I never looked at a girl and thought oh like she looks a bit saucy like nothing mm. um, and then when I was like I'm done with men like there was no heat like I just looked at them and felt like mm. oh another one <laughs> and, then, <laughs> um, and then even with girls I didn't really feel that much and then I met the, this particular girl and we just hit it off we got on like a house on fire and the rest was history, really. So when you, you met her through a dating app, her, Yes, yes, I did. Did that not feel odd to just start even downloading that app? I suppose, was that your first step towards this kind it of didn't, curiosity? It didn't, it no, didn't. Well, I've always been curious about dating apps because my generation, the millennial generation, are the generation of dating apps. However, I was in a relationship when dating apps really took off, so I never had that. I never went on loads of... Um, dates off of tinder or any of that kind of stuff so i was always curious about what they were like but not in a i want to be in one it was just like my friends would like meet these strangers on the internet and then they'd be in relationships three weeks later and i was confused um so when i was on the app i didn't really take it that seriously i just thought it was like it was something fun to pass the time um to be honest with you uh like if my daughter was in bed and i'd done all my work and it was like okay well I'll have a look and see what's going on. It wasn't weird meeting her on the app. It was weird meeting her in person after we'd met on the app. That was the bit that I was like, oh my God, what if she's a sociopath? But we did FaceTime before we met in person. And I threw out all of my kind of non-negotiables during that first conversation. It would be things like, don't turn up at my house <laughs> randomly. Like, I know it sounds weird, but like, or um, before we sleep together, we have to get sexually tested. And yeah. I don't care if you've been tested since your last partner and I've been tested since my last partner, we have to go and get tested together. But the first and only time I've never had any kind of protest about that is with her. Most people assume that if you want them to get tested, in my opinion, or in my findings, it's because you think there's something wrong with them. And my thing is, no, it's the complete opposite. You look like there's nothing wrong with you and this mm-hmm. could be too good to be true. And I don't want to find out after we've done something and then I'm screwed for life. Or not screwed for life because HIV is not a death sentence. And there are so many other STDs that you can contract that are less than that. But I just think it's good health practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in general, I get a bit of grief for it. But from her, it was we did a home testing kit and sent it off and it was really chilled. 
what were the other main differences that you found dating her? And obviously she's an individual, so there's always yeah. going to be differences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But was there any conclusions that you could draw as to like, um, the difference between dating or sleeping with a woman compared to the men that you'd been the with? The sex is amazing. Oh, my God. The <laughs> sex is amazing. It's hilarious because I have one of my really close friends is like a full-blown lesbian and she always talks to us about like great sex. And before I started seeing the girl that I dated, my opinion on sex was, it's cool. That was like, even if I had like, what I would say, oh, this was the best sex ever. It was still, it's cool. Like I could go without it. I've been celibate twice by choice, once for two years and once for seven months. Mm -hmm. Like I, it just wasn't something that I was like, oh, I have to, like people who were like, I have to have sex and haven't had it in five days. I just didn't understand them. Um, and then I started dating her. And I was surprised at how different it was and how good it was and how open and like, because there's a, a main component that you have with a man when having sex with a woman. I mean, you can buy one, but like in general, there's no penis. So I thought that because of that, I would, it's like basically foreplay. Mm -hmm. And then we had sex and then I was like, wow. And then it just kept getting better. Mm -hmm. And, um, that was one of the hardest parts to let go of because I was like, this is crazy. I've never had consistently good sex like this before yeah. in my life. So um, this is interesting. So a lot of this series has all been about the orgasm gap and um, some research done by the Kinsey Institute yeah. um, shows that basically um, gay men and straight men have an orgasm 91% of the time. 91% of the time? Yeah, and then lesbians are like about, well, sorry, then straight women are quite low down at like 65%. Yeah. Bisexual women just above that, and then lesbians are somewhere in the middle. Okay. So I believe it. Yeah. I, I, I've only ever had sex with one woman, and she blew every bloke I've ever slept with out the water. Why do you think that was? I mean, she obviously, let's not take away from her skills just because she's obviously Well, a this is person, interesting. But, mm. I believe that she is skillful, but it was a reciprocal situation and she was equally as satisfied. And that surprised me because I didn't think that as a woman who'd never been with a woman physically, I would be able to satisfy her. And I remember saying quite embarrassingly two things, actually. The first thing that was another difference was seeing another woman's body up close. Yeah. Like, I thought after I'd given birth that my vagina was weird. Mm. And I know that sounds like a really strange thing to say, but I had an episiotomy after I gave birth. And so I just assumed that it just wasn't normal anymore. Mm. And I know they say no two vaginas are the same, but I just felt like, well, mine just isn't normal because I can still feel my scar. Yeah. The first time we had sex afterwards, I said to her during, like, pillow talk, like, basically, is it normal? And she was like, what kind of question is that? Of course it is. Mm. And I was like, you can say it's not because I've had a baby. And she was like... It's very normal and it's yeah. like no other I've seen. Um, and then the other thing was just as she was skillful and knew what I would like, I knew what she would like. But I think part of the reason why it was good was because we were attracted to each other, but also because there's a certain understanding of what you would like. And so even if you're not necessarily doing what the person would like, you know what you would like. And as women, we're taught not to, I find, we're taught not to embrace our sensuality and our mm -hmm. sexuality and our sexual appetite. Mm -hmm. And so everybody is a bit um, kind of aware of that. But when there's two of you who both know that, like, there's that kind of 
not big elephant, but small elephant in the room, the conversation, you can have the conversation about it. You can talk about it. I've never spoken about sex. Yeah. Not with somebody I was with. Like, you have, like, flirty chats mm-hmm. or banter, but an actual, genuinely serious conversation about what you like. And, like, you feel like the person is taking it in and digesting it. It was, it was amazing, but it was also, like, no other experience I've ever had before. And did you find that pleasing another woman came a second nature to you or were you a bit intimidated when you first started I was intimidated but open to trying yeah and it was I I enjoyed it more than having sex with a man I think that no that's a lie I enjoyed the whole experience more than having sex with a man I would say that for me unless Everything is done in a timely manner, which it's, you can't, like, put a time on sex. Yeah. Sleeping with guys, I always have had moments where I'm like, oh, like, this feels a bit uncomfortable. Or what do I look like? Just a bit more self-conscious. Mm-hmm. There was a lack of, co- like, self-consciousness yeah. that I had. So on a whole, I was more relaxed and I was more into it. And I think part of the reason why I put that pressure on myself when I was sleeping with men was because they didn't put it on me was because I wanted to look, like, the nice way and the right way. And because men do tend to watch more porn than women. Yeah, so I was going to ask about the male gaze and, you know, the fact that porn and films and TV are all filmed from the point of view of the man, making us as women feel very self-conscious of what we look like. (laughs) And is that completely gone, you know, when you sleep with a woman? Because you're just thinking she understands. No, it depends how masculine that woman is. It depends... um, if she has a type, all of the same issues that you have in a straight or heterosexual sexual relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not completely gone. It's just less obvious, Mm -hmm. but it makes a huge difference. And it made me realise, especially toward when we had decided that we weren't going to see each other anymore, it made me realise how much um, external influences you allow to infiltrate something that is very private between two people. Because if I had not had any external influences in previous relationships, I wonder what they would have been like, or less so, like the one that we had. Because, yeah, it was just it's just a whole... You put less pressure on yourself, you Mm -hmm. have less expectation, you have different expectations. Um, So, yeah, it's cool. And are you now... So that relationship is over. Are you now kind of, like, back to just sleeping with or dating men? Strictly dickly. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the follow-up to Strictly Um, (laughs) Cumberland? No, I, I mean, I was never not attracted to men. I just didn't want anything to do with them. And now I feel like I'm open. I. It's funny because, you know, you get those forms and then they ask you, like, your ethnicity, your age and your sexuality. Mm-hmm. And by default, I'd been still been ticking straight. And then recently I was like, well, actually, I'm not straight. And then I started to think about, like, the sexuality spectrum and I... I don't feel like I'm stereotypically a part of the LGBT community, but I am, and I'm very proud of that. I don't fully know what that means. Mm. And because of that, I feel like it's hard for me to say I identify with one particular sexuality. So I don't have an answer for that. And I feel like this is a very like young person, millennial-ish way of thinking about things. But I'm just like, whoever I meet and I vibe with is who I meet and I vibe with. Millennial, she's a millennial. 
Yes, she is. Oh, I thought you were going to sing. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to sing Robbie Williams. Millennium. Oh yeah, see that's another good one. Yeah. What was the first song? Was that anything? I didn't I think know that song. Like, I think it was the tune of Danger Mouse, <laughs> but I put Millennial over the top. Oh right, sorry. That cultural <laughs> reference is lost on me. Although it shouldn't be because my son has been Danger Mouse now for six weeks. So back to Millennial. <laughs> yeah, Remy is is a millennial, and she always she will refer to herself as a millennial. I think she probably finds it a bit annoying, but it's a useful shorthand for what she's saying. And it gives me great hope. It makes me sound like such an old nana now, but it does give me great hope that people like her exist and that that attitude of just, yeah, I'm just dating who I'm dating and it's all cool and there's no shame. That's the future. At least I hope it is. Yeah. It does make me feel very prudish as my Gen X kind of, you know, heritage. Because I think, yeah. But it's it's interesting because we read so many studies saying that millennials aren't having sex and that they're all taking pictures of... Korean street food and stuff and mm. in place of sex. And I sort of think I'm encouraged to know that there are people out there having sex and not only doing that, probably doing it in a more adventurous and interesting way than the previous generation did, yeah, with less but, hang-ups. Yeah, there's the sex recession, isn't there? There's a whole article about that in the Atlantic, which I'll put in the show notes. I'm now going to throw to my little mini interview with uh, Dr Karen Gurney at The Sex Doctor all about sexuality. Sexuality. So, Dr. Karen. Hi, Lisa. We talked about the Kinsey scale and how it's not generally considered that people are 100% straight or 100% gay. There are lots of shades of grey in between and people can change from one, um, one day really to the next or one incident to the next. What are your thoughts on this? Kinsey was so groundbreaking in his time um, so ahead of his time, actually. Mm. Um, the Kinsey scale did wonderful things for sexuality mm-hmm. because he really opened up the discourse that um, sexual orientation isn't binary, but also most people sit somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. And we know that's backed up by science, actually, that most people's sexuality is fluid mm-hmm. and um, somewhere in the middle of entirely straight mm-hmm. or entirely gay in terms of who they're attracted to. I guess what's interesting about this is how it's kind of changed over time. Mm-hmm. So Kinsey's scale was great and did wonderful things, but it was it was really just about sexual orientation as kind of one construct. And we know that sexual orientation is much more than who you have sex with. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of moved on a, a couple of decades later with someone called Klein mm-hmm. who came up with um, a modified version of the Kinsey scale that talked about sexuality in in a much more comprehensive way. So Klein talked about a, a grid, if you like, and this grid contains um, the past, mm-hmm. um, the present, so what you're doing now, and what you'd like to be doing in the future. Mm-hmm. And within these three areas... Klein talked about there being um, seven scales and those scales were who you're attracted to, who you have sex with, who you fantasize about, who you feel the most emotional connection with, Mm -hmm. so this is which gender obviously, Mm -hmm. Um, who you prefer to socialize with, Mm -hmm. um, which community you feel fits you best and how you like to self-identify, so what labels might be important to you. So if you think about all of those different constructs and then you think about them in the past and the present and the future, Mm. 
already you get a much more varied view of sexual orientation than we have with Kinsey scale, which mm-hmm. is kind of this straight or gay, either or, although you can be in the middle. And I find it, Klein's version is, is quite a useful one to talk through with people. And I often use it with people who are worrying about their sexuality mm-hmm. because, um, for example, it's really common for women who identify as heterosexual to fantasize exclusively about women. Mm. It's really common. Um, it's also really common for women who identify as lesbian to prefer the company of men. Mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of different things about who we are that mm. come into sexual orientation other than who we have sex with. Mm. And it can really help to like loosen the idea that well, I have to be this thing or that thing. No, actually, you don't. You can be attracted to women but prefer sex with men. Mm-hmm. You can fantasize about women but have sex with men. Mm-hmm. It, it really doesn't matter. But what's interesting about sexual orientation is we've also moved on from there. You know, that's a helpful construct because it, it opens things up from Kinsey in a good way. But we've moved on from there still now. And we're starting to think about sexual orientation and how it relates to gender mm-hmm. identity. So... For example, when we say um, we are heterosexual, means that if you're female, you're attracted to men. What exactly about men are you attracted to? So are we talking about sex? Mm -hmm. So the fact they've got a penis, Mm. for example. Um, Or are we talking about gender? The fact that they might present themselves in a particular way. The fact they might take on particular gender roles. Mm -hmm. The fact they might dress in a particular way Mm. and given that we're also breaking down ideas of gender it starts to really confuse sexual orientation because for example um, you might be attracted to men but what if when you meet that man you find out that that man is um, a trans man who Mm. hasn't had bottom surgery and doesn't have a penis Mm. are you still attracted to that man because actually you're attracted to the gender construct of male Mm. not sex construct which is the penis so it becomes a bit more interesting because imagine that you're a woman who's attracted to um, a particular type of man a man that has um, an inverted commas feminine qualities Mm. or um, prefers to to dress in a way that uh, might be considered to to fit with that Mm. kind of stereotype then what happens if you meet a woman who is a very androgynous woman Mm. So it's, it's not really the same, you know, the, the, the gender constructs around men and women are so varied that that's where sexual orientation becomes a bit more blurred. Because mm. if you're attracted to people who present themselves in a particular way, they might be male or female, mm. actually, mm-hmm. and you might find them attractive. Mm. It doesn't mean anything about who you are. Mm. It's, it's about what you're attracted to, not who you are. Yeah. That makes sense. So... It's quite a hard concept to explain, but essentially I think what's going to happen with sexual orientation, a bit like what we're seeing with gender, is we're going to really start to move away from labels Mm -hmm. and we're going to start to be thinking about sexual orientation to the things that we're interested in being less about gender, so same sex or opposite sex attraction, but more about the things that we're into. Mm -hmm. So your sexual orientation might be that you're into kink Mm -hmm. or it might be that you prefer casual sex Mm -hmm. or it might be that you're into polyamory Mm -hmm. and it also might be that you're attracted to people whose um, gender presentation is a particular way. But it will be less about gender, I think, moving forward. And that will be a good thing for everybody, actually. It will, but it is, it's so different to how we are or how we have all been raised. And I'm talking about probably people of my generation and above because I do agree that the younger millennials and Gen X, Gen X, Gen Z, it's Gen Z, sorry, <laughs> showing my age, ironically. Um, I think that they are much more open to this sort of new world 
but for people of my age and above, I think it's quite tricky because we have been raised that the norm is Mm -hmm. heterosexual and cisgendered and any deviation in inverted commas from that is some to some degree problematic yes absolutely um we live in a very heterocentric society Mm. where it's assumed that you're straight Mm. until proven otherwise and that's that's partly why people struggle when Mm. they find themselves attracted to people who they don't fit feel fit that um that what's expected of them it is good for everyone to move away from that mm. for obvious reasons because it causes people a lot of, a lot of pain and yeah. a lot of worry actually actually it causes some people a lot of worry but essentially um as you say what's coming through from the younger generations and also a lot of what we're seeing in the media these days is that the fluidity around sexual orientation it is something that's that's been seen to be the new way forward and I mm. guess that I think that's what we'll see a bit more of and just imagine everything else we can talk about when we're not talking about labels yeah yeah and labels do so much harm in so many ways mm. agreed thank you very much Dr Karen you're welcome Dr Karen Gurney as wise as ever talking about the future and how things will be really different probably for our kids growing up and it's this kind of uh utopia of just equal everyone's equal it's free love everyone is accepted no one's put into a box we can just do what we want hmm we're a bit we're (laughs) we're probably a bit past it we'll be too old yeah but But we can celebrate it in our children no or we will have at that point we would have discovered some sort of anti-aging elixir and we'll be living in these lovely kind of free pagan communities of Elderly people who don't look elderly and having sex with avatars. Sounds good. (laughs) I've already booked my place. Have you not seen it? Yeah, count me in. Now, um, your homework this week is to do the Klein sexuality test because the University of Southampton have got an interactive version of it on their website, which embarrassingly, Anarchy and I could not do because it didn't work in our browser. No. Um, but we'll put the link in the show notes. So please have a look. And I basically know from what Karen just said about it that I'm very far from straight. So I'm a bit scared to do it because <laughs> I think if I do do it, what does it mean for the current relationship you're in? Nothing, because I think if you just go with the mindset of you fall in love with someone, with people, rather than a gender. Or you could map it out so mm. that you could think of it as something because men don't unfortunately men don't live as long as women and if your partner's quite a bit older than you if that's my scenario then I could have a good sort of 15 year bisexual lesbian relationship yeah. from 75 to 85 it could be the best decade of your life yeah I'm saving it all up till then yeah watch this space people you could be the lucky woman <laughs> Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.